In my last episode, I spoke about the pros and cons of living small. I talked about how it is more affordable, how you can live without a mortgage, how you can simplify your life, and how it is possible to be debt free. While all of this may sound attractive, you also have to realize that living small is a lifestyle choice that comes with some unique challenges. In this episode, I'm going to discuss all the things about living small that no one tells you. This episode is going to be packed with some useful information that will help keep you out of trouble. And if living small is something you're interested in doing, then stick around and listen to all the things that no one tells you about living small. Welcome to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. Your host has lived an off-grid, sustainable lifestyle for over 20 years. His homestead is run on solar energy. He has an earth shelter greenhouse and produces much of his own food. And all of this takes place in the middle of the forest in Colorado. Now, let's join Patrick, the man that not only teaches the skills of sustainable living, but lives that life every day. Welcome back, everyone, to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. This is your host, Patrick, and this is episode 72, which is part uh, part two of a series of podcasts on the art of living small. So I've been on kind of a trend here lately with recent episodes on the practical applications of various things that we can do to be more ecologically friendly and to reduce our environmental footprint and I started out with how to reduce your carbon footprint and then talked about life without plastic and obviously living small meaning living in a smaller place we are going to have much less of an environmental impact and that is sort of the purpose of this series is to give you some practical things to think about and also how to be more sustainable, of course. So in my last episode, I covered a lot of the, the uh, pros and cons of living small, including how such a lifestyle is easier to maintain and is much more sustainable. But in this episode, I'm going to cover all of the things that no one tells you about living small. But for many years now, there has been a trend toward urbanization. Over the last 50 years in the United States, the percentage of people living in urban areas has increased to nearly 83%. And while urban living often makes things a lot more convenient, it also is a lot more expensive. And living in a small home may be a solution to that problem. And in fact, this is what some of my friends chose to do. They are close enough to the city to be able to commute for work and yet they are living a lot less expensively than most people do. If living in a tiny home or living small as I like to call it is something you're thinking about doing then this episode is going to be packed with some information to potentially keep you out of trouble. But I think the first step for anyone is to decide why you are choosing to do so and if this is going to be a long-term or a 
semi-long-term arrangement? And if so, then you truly need to focus on making sure you establish a good standard of living because otherwise you'll just get burned out on this lifestyle and you'll end up regretting your choice a few years down the road. So my reasons for choosing to do so were because of affordability, maximum efficiency, sustainability, and very low level responsibility. And additionally, most people that I've spoken to about this very same thing all say pretty much the same thing. They sold their big house and downsized simply for the sake of simplicity and affordability. So living in a small home can be accomplished in several ways. You know, a tiny home can be on wheels so that it is mobile, or it can be on a foundation, whether that's permanent or semi-permanent. But regardless of what you do, all tiny homes have two factors to consider, and that is building codes and zoning regulations. Now, the reasons that tiny homes are illegal in some states is that it's difficult to regulate them when it comes to zoning and safety. So regardless of how you do this, ventilation, lighting, and certain life safety requirements have to be met regardless of the size of the dwelling. And without proper permitting and meeting certain safety regulations, states are simply unable to deem this type of housing as an acceptable residence. But that being said, most states have adopted building and zoning codes from the International Residential Code or the IRC. Now the IRC requires that all homes must be built on a minimum of 320 square feet and the minimum size of the residence must be 120 square feet and at least one room must be habitable. And what this means is that there must be a closet and at least one window. Other rooms not meant for sleeping must be at least 70 square feet. All rooms must have a ceiling height of 7 to 8 feet. And now this is going to vary between states, counties, and municipalities. So it is really pretty important to perform your due diligence. And although it is quite possible to find places that have no minimum space requirement, you also have to get back to the reason you are doing this in the first place. And if this type of arrangement is going to be long term, you have to put some thought into developing a reasonable lifestyle. And this is because there are some very unique challenges to living in a small place. And one of, this, uh, one of the first things to think about is that small spaces, small living spaces, tend to get cluttered and dirty very, very quickly. And for me, at least, on my days off, I usually end up washing dishes every day, sweeping the floor several times a day, and it seems I am constantly, constantly putting things away because there just simply is no extra space and it seems like I'm putzing around in the the cabin or in the travel trailer for half a day and suddenly I turn around and the whole room just looks like a tornado zone 
and sometimes it's a little frustrating that it just seems like I'm constantly cleaning because if you leave something out it just simply ends up being in the way but one of the advantages is that it usually doesn't take long to clean but you know as I mentioned in the previous episode I talked about affordability as being a positive side to living small but however you truly have to be careful because sometimes living small can come with hidden costs and if you are truly going to go custom and not doing the work yourself contractors can easily dramatically up the price if you're not careful and if you have a tiny home that's on wheels then you have to maintain tires there is additional licensing and registration fees as well as insurance and there is almost always more maintenance due to increased wear and tear when it comes to actually moving a structure and I have learned all about these things after purchasing an RV I mean my insurance policy alone is $300 a year when I owned a second home which was 2600 square feet my yearly homeowners insurance was only $1200 per year so on a square foot to square foot comparison you're going to pay higher insurance and I've even experienced this when getting insurance on the cabin but I also have just set up a monthly budget in order to help cover these things so that is something to consider as well and also another thing to consider is that if you are unable to pay cash for your tiny home then financing is going to be a little bit of a challenge because conventional mortgages are simply not available for tiny homes and if your home is on wheels then uh, an RV or, or recreational vehicle loan may be an option provided your home is certified by the Recreational Vehicle in Industry Association. And if your home is stationary, then an unsecured personal loan may also be an option. Now, I got around this challenge by simply building my larger cabin in stages. I first paid for the excavation for the water cistern and then I installed that. Then I did the foundation work. Then I paid cash for a contractor to dry in the cabin and do all of the electrical. And then over two years, I finished the interior and built a deck and installed solar. So I just did things a little bit at a time. I would work and save money, pay for something, work and save money, pay for something else. So I ended up not having to finance anything. And by far, one of the most difficult things to deal with can be building and zoning laws. Despite the growing popularity, tiny homes can be difficult to construct and reside in permanently due to local zoning and building laws. So there are basically two types of tiny homes, one on wheels and one's on foundation. Tiny homes on wheels that are designated as an RV simply do not have to comply with zoning and building regulations. You only need a place to park it legally. 
but tiny homes on foundations are often considered accessory dwelling units or ADUs. So most likely the easiest way to get around this is to have a tiny home on wheels that's designated as an RV. Then it can be parked anywhere there is already an existing residence. But treating it as your primary residence may also attract unwanted attention from neighbors. And the other option of course is to purchase land in a rural area where rules and regulations are a lot less strenuous. But even this can be a challenge depending on the county that you're living in and you may have to work at keeping a very low profile. And this is in fact what I've known uh, several people to do. And for example there are places in southern Colorado where zoning and building regulations are pretty lax and people will buy some land and build a small place and you know it's very easy to build or, or to deal with the um, the zoning and building laws because no one really cares and no one's really concerned about what you're doing as long as you're not causing a problem but one other problem or challenge that I've dealt with that that Annette and I have dealt with for years is that you know depending on the size of your home a major downside is that it may be entirely out of the question to entertain anyone. And I know for many years when I just had the log cabin, it was impossible to have anyone visit or people would come to visit and they would stay in the campground that was a mile or so away from the cabin. And now things have gotten a little bit easier with having the, the newer cabin because there's a nice deck and there's a lot more square footage and then of course um, if the weather's nice we often just spend time outside but this is yet another reason for adding on the sunroom this year which will give us a space of about an additional 200 square feet but you know one other challenge about living small people think about downsizing their life and living simply and so forth and there's often things that you never really think about until you're in the middle of the situation for a while. But our privacy and personal space is often taken for granted when you're in a traditional living situation. And if you are sharing your tiny home with your partner or other family members, privacy and personal space becomes a luxury that often gets sacrificed. And it can literally be overwhelming if you do not have a place to re retreat to and also if one person is sick then often everyone else in the household is up all night as well and this is another reason that Annette and I have several options we will sometimes go hiking by ourselves or do a solo day trip somewhere and Annette loves spending time working in the greenhouse. And I also travel some for work so that we get some time to ourselves. But when in Colorado, sometimes one of us would just spend a night or two in the travel trailer. So the bottom line is that we have been adjusting our lifestyle to just simply give each other some personal space. But you know, despite the popularity of tiny home living, small living is 
often not a permanent arrangement. And a lot of people may purchase land and then opt for a tiny home while building a larger home. And decades ago, when zoning laws were much more relaxed, this is what people did on a routine basis. They purchased land, they parked an RV on it, or even lived in a small shed while building a larger home. But from a personal perspective, living in a small cabin is a long-term commitment for us. But I also keep making improvements that consistently elevate and improve our standard of living. And because barring any significant changes in my life, I plan on living in the cabin on a long-term basis. And this is why I say if you are going to live small, you have to be sure to have a decent standard of living if you are going to do this long term. And sometimes one of the best parts of living small is that there's a lot less to take care of. But truly one of the downsides is that you have very little space. Because if you want to purchase something additional, you literally have no place to put it. So let's say, for example, you want to purchase some exercise equipment or, you know, you literally have no place to put it. But let's say you want to get a cat or another dog. You literally have no additional room and this can be challenging and frustrating. So to some degree, I solved that by having outdoor storage bins when living in the travel trailer. And at the cabin, I have a storage shed where I can keep all of my tools. So you just truly have to be creative and try and find ways to give yourself a little bit more space if you plan on doing this long term. So the bottom, I think the bottom line for Annette and I is that we don't really have any regrets about our lifestyle because it is basic, it is minimalistic, it is simplistic and at least for me it has resulted in me being completely debt free and consequently I have a lot more personal freedom and I can pick and choose the employment opportunities that I take advantage of. So just to do a quick summary of what I have covered so far, living in a tiny home or what I describe as living small is in my opinion the perfect solution for someone looking to reduce their ecological footprint and simply make their life much more simple. Obviously you are using fewer materials to build a home but you are also using fewer resources to run that home and consequently running such a residence off of renewable energy is also that much easier. Living in a smaller residence can also be affordable and keep you mortgage free. And if not, then you have a mortgage for a much shorter period of time. Because when I purchased my place in Colorado, I mortgaged only the land and all improvements were paid for in cash and the land mortgage was paid off in 12 years. And if you are a do-it-yourself type person like I am, then building the home yourself can save you a considerable amount of money 
and this was certainly the case for me, and I had been debt-free for a number of years now. But while this may sound like the perfect solution to a number of challenges, there are also some very specific limitations. If someone is building the place for you, you have to be mindful of hidden costs. Depending on the type of home you have, there may be additional registration and licensing fees. And in most cases, the cost of insurance is just simply going to be higher. If you cannot pay cash, then some sort of unconventional loan may be your only way. Building and zoning codes may be problematic depending on your location, and due diligence is definitely in order. And additionally, there are a number of personal considerations. Personal space and privacy can be an issue. Entertaining guests may be out of the question. You have a lot less space to deal with, so adding things to your life may be difficult or impossible. And lastly, you have to decide if this is going to be a long-term arrangement. And if so, you have to be creative with solving the unique challenges that comes with this lifestyle. But the best part here is that I am very well acquainted with all of these challenges and we have been very, very creative with solving some of the issues around living in a small space. And for me, the true advantage comes with having very little responsibility, being debt-free, living off the grid, and constantly finding new and creative ways to live a more sustainable lifestyle. So that about wraps it up for this week, folks. So hopefully I have not steered you away from such a lifestyle at this point because I truly think there are tremendous advantages. And it is those advantages that I focus on and it is those advantages that keep me willing to continue the lifestyle that I have. So in next week's episode, I'm going to cover numerous tips on making the most of living in a small space. So stay tuned for part three of The Art of Living Small. But for now, this is your host, Patrick, signing off until next week. Always remember to live sustainably because this is how we build a better future. Mm -hmm.